Yes, it's a Finnish football show. Hi, I'm Mark Wiltshire from Explore Finland. Finnish football show is back. We've been away for far, far too long. Sorry, for everyone that's been waiting. Um, we're, we're here now. I'm joined again, as always, by Mark Hayton from FC Suomi. Hi, Mark. Hello. And to Rich from Escape to Suomi. Hi, Rich. Hello. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. We've been away for three months. Can you believe three whole months that we haven't got together um, to chew the fat? Um, my God, there's been a lot of fat to chew. So we're going we're gonna to get through this, get up to date as uh, quick as we can. Um, I, I have to be away within an hour. So this is going to be kind of a record if we can get finished football show recorded in an hour. Um, I'll explain where I'm heading off to, and uh, and hopefully I'll be able to uh, share a bit of that with the uh, with the listener um, when the podcast comes out. So if you're listening to the podcast, there will be something extra at the end of the live show. Um, let's start firstly, Rich. What shirt are you wearing this week? Um, well, in the my trip to Finland this summer, I didn't actually buy any football shirts because there were obviously not that many available. So I've decided to wheel out the cupboard one of these older. Uh, Footies Forum, Cunningus, Lippmann and T-shirts. So, uh, I mean, the last time I went to an away Finland game in Belfast, I was uh, asked by countless people, where did you get it from? So, um, if I can dig out the link from the forum, I'll, um, I'll put it on the usual channels in case anyone fancies one. They're only about €12. Euros. The king. The king is represented. Yes. Um, th as always, this episode is live on YouTube. I've just seen the stream start. Um, so, if you want to find us on the on YouTube for the live show. Um, if you're listening to the podcast this time, then keep your eyes peeled to the Finnish Football Show group on Facebook. We normally share on there when the when the show's going live and, and share a link where you can watch it. Um, podcast hopefully coming out in a couple of days. Um, as I said, we are we we um, have a lot of stories to do, so we're going to uh, run through a lot of stories quite quickly, and I'm going to be fairly strict with you boys about. How long, how long you can talk about something. And then we're going to focus on two key stories in a bit more detail. On a positive note, what on earth has been going on for Hukayat in the last three months? And on a negative note, what on earth has been going on at Asiko in the last few months? Oh, oh boy. Um, if we've got any live viewers, there's a message box on the side of the screen. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that and see if you've got any questions or comments as we're talking, then please let us have them on there. Podcast listeners use the social media to get in touch with us. So our Twitter handles are Mark is at FC Suomi, Rich is at Escape to Suomi, and mine is at Explore Finland. Uh, and as I said, find the Facebook group. We'll let you join if you if you ask nicely. Um, okay, Rich, as ever, no noisy biscuits, no F-bombs, and we'll break with tradition and, uh, and run through as many stories as possible. No news, no news section this week. We're just going to go through as much of what's been going on over the last few months as possible. So um, I thought maybe we'll start with... <laughs> Rich is such an idiot. He's got an obscene mug that he just held up to the camera. So um, I'll try... <laughs> I'll see I if that. I can find that for the, uh, for the image, <laughs> for the featured image for the show. That's what you get. bombs bang, visual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going so smoothly, and now you've made me laugh. Live on air. This this show isn't about laughing. We're going to be talking about Ascu Court season. That's not a laughing matter. Um, how about then we start with uh, vacation? 
I guess first things first, it's pretty, the season's pretty much over, isn't it, Mark? Well, I mean, it looks like I, I want to thank Yee Co for turning up. Um, they've they've been giving us some nice, entertaining crowds, but but um, very little in the way of kind of competition at the bottom. So I think Yee Co are going to take that bottom spot. Ashley uh, Core from two weeks ago might disagree with you. <laughs> I think. Well, I, th I think so. I think even even with all of the kind of cat catastrophes lurking in the future for Asiko, I still think if you put all those together, they couldn't drop to. I think I think Eiko are about fifteen points, about something like that at the minute. They're. I mean, they're gone. I mean, Hifki <laughs> are, are really, really trying to give them a run for their money. They are. That they're really, they're really poor this season, but they're still not getting really anywhere near. So. Just for those listening, we've got Yee Core in 12th at the bottom with 15 points, and then 50 and 11th with 21 points, and at 10th is Kemi with 30 points. So you're right, there's a there's a real gap opening between those bottom two and, yeah. the, and the rest of the pack. Yeah. So and and yeah. So Hifki, like I said, are trying because they're really poor, but but Yee Core um, just just not getting a foothold in games. And then at the other end of the table, um, yeah, Hoi Core living partly on the fumes of of Morelos's you know brilliant open open to the season before his transfer um, and then they seem to be clawing out wins now with uh, probably the meanest defence uh, I don't know how it would have put up in previous years but certainly Patron and Yasto at the back are, are just kind of shutting out games for, for, for Hoi Yiko and got, they've only conceded 10 goals in 25 games that's you know the fact they've scored 57 as well I mean it's, it's ludicrous compared to the rest of the league mm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think they're only what is it? Is it six points or seven points or something like that's clear at the top? So it's not like um, a it's four, fourteen. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's. I mean, it's it's quite strange because I've seen a couple of Hoyuko games recently and they don't look amazing, but they do control games start to finish. Um, and it's a bit. I don't know. It's 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 it's. It, I suppose we I suppose we were too. We got too good in the last couple of seasons with Asiko winning the title and then the Marienham winning the title and I think both those went to the last day. So it was there's, there's been too much excitement in the last couple of years in the Vegas League. <laughs> <laughs> and at the, start, at the start of the season, I think we all thought this was um, that, that it was it was probably going to be Hoyiko that had a, a really good chance of taking this. Um, and but you had a you had a, a, a prediction about Coops. Um, yeah, I mean, Cups the last sort of four or five years have been very, you know, the, the epitome of mediocrity. They've sort of won games here, but generally haven't impressed anyone. They've had a couple of players coming through, but they've moved on. Um, this year, they got Yanni Honkavada in, who was a Hifke manager last, well, for part of last season and was the manager who brought them up. And um, they they really sort of went a different way around recruiting. Um, what they had done in recent years was you know they were very much one of these clubs at the whims of an agent who would sign players from Africa and and bring them in as a sort of shop window for Europe but uh, you know they, they brought that's, in that's do. well I <laughs> say so he uh, he lit up the league when he was there was that three years ago but um but no this year they they've sort of bought a lot more experience they brought in uh, Saucer from Hoiko Saxman mm -hmm. from Rops, they brought Vertinen back from Scotland, um, the young goalkeeper. And um, yeah, no, I mean, they're, they're third at the moment. They've already scored as many goals this year as they did last season. Um, you know, they just look so much more consistent. And I mean, they're never going to win the league, let's be honest. But, you know, even the 
the striker they bought, the Salami, who's had these issues and his various bans for assaulting the referee and so on. But uh, no, I mean, they, they've looked really, really impressive. And, you know, certainly compared to, you know, they were the team that had a really good run in Finland, uh, in the Europa League in 2012. They got through to the playoff round. But um, since then, they've done absolutely nothing. But it's nice to see them back. And obviously, they're sort of my team. So, uh, you know, by, by marriage. But, uh, yeah, no, it's good to see them doing well. I think, I think back when we spoke last time, we were talking about uh, Morelos at uh, Hoyiko, who's since, since moved to uh, Rangers in Scotland. Um, but he's currently, although he hasn't been here for three months, he's uh, currently still fourth, actually joint, joint second in the goal scoring. <laughs> for the Bakehouse Liga, so it sh- it shows where he would have been if he'd still been um, still been here, perhaps. Um, but he's got a lot tighter up there, and there's somebody else at the top of the of the goal scoring charts now, and uh, and maybe we'll head away with it, which is Alexi Kangaskolka, uh, uh, Mariaham. What have you seen yeah, of him? Mark? Yeah, he's, I, I I love I love Alexi. He was uh, he was one of those ones who was you know uh, destined for great things. He moved out to Holland, I think, when he was about twenty, but then he had a I think a couple of repetitive cruciate injuries um and so he came back that was the back end of last season to marianham and he didn't do like i don't think he got a lot of games initially when he came back but this this season he started he's played regularly up front for marianham and i just like him he's just one of those um uncomplicated big strong forward guys who scores goals so it's um i was i was expecting this year that uh, timo furuholm would come back at inter and smash up the league because he's like he also had injury problems, but he did well in Germany. Uh, and it's not kind of sort of falling for him. And the sort of thing that I was going to expect from Borohom is exactly the kind of um, performances and, and, and uh, play that, that Kongaskolk has delivered. Although he's been in the press recently about saying that some of the some of the opponents that he's got in the Vegas League are, are pretty low quality. So... Uh, it's a bit. It's a bit. So he's he's doing well and he's scoring goals, but I, it, it, there's also this there's a part of him that I think he's not maybe testing himself as much as he can, which is sort of a bit of a strange thing. And what I was saying about Morelos is interesting. If you look at the at the top of the goal scoring charts, there's well half of the Hoyiko squad seem to be in the top in the top, <laughs> in the top eight. Uh, you, you've got Axeli Pelvas from uh, with eleven goals. You've got mm-hmm. Morelos, as I said, are still on eleven. You've got Philip Valencic. On eleven, uh, and then in eighth place, uh, you got Evans Mensa with eight. So they're uh, interesting to see Pelvas on eleven, and Tuco for Ilbez also on eleven. That's what twenty-two man. goals, ex Asiko goals, just sitting there in the in the <laughs> top ten. You got Billy Irons at number number ten. He scored seven, but that's in a in a struggling team, and he's been a bit sort of out of the squad during the sort of summer months as well. Yeah, who would let Tuco go on a free? Oh, <laughs> well, it, but then, is, he didn't. He didn't score the goals here, did he? You know. Okay, so so he he was another one that kind of flattered to deceive a little bit, and I I, I think I, I do cut some of the players some slack this season to a degree because actually, cool. There's been a lot of ins and outs, and that's unsettled the team. And we'll, we'll come on to this a little bit later. Um, but the same with um, with Imboma uh, Totti. Um, he. He looks really strong and powerful and he can do really good things and then comes to the games and doesn't really doesn't really do it. And I think Tuko was the same. I, I don't know what. Maybe he's just found a manager that can get the get the best out of him now that he's at, at Ilves. Um, but it's frustrating to see all those f- former players banging in goals 
left, right, and centre for other other teams. That's for sure. Last well, um, week, uh, Rahimi's goal. Oh, that's lovely. Again. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, and that's someone <laughs> who could really get into the Ashley Core starting team when he yeah. was here. Um, but I don't know how many he's. Uh, yeah, he's only scored three, but still, um, quality. Not what about quantity. what about? Sorry, Rich. Quality. No, no, it was quality, not quantity. Of that last goal, it was. Uh, well, okay. the one he scored in midweek is cracking. And what about uh, changing subject? And I can stop talking for a moment or two again. Um, what about happenings down at FC Inter? Blimey, where do you start? <laughs> <laughs> well, take us back three months where we were, where we were uh, before the summer, Rich. Was everything looking quite settled at that moment? Um, not settled. I think um, we were looking optimistic in that, you know, it was the first time really Chef Gikuchi had had a full sort of winter in, in charge of a club that was relatively settled, had a bit of money. Um, but again, it just seems to be, obviously he left and there were various rumours coming out that, um, did he jump? Was he pushed? Um, you know, there were some issues about signings and money again and, and everything else. And, and he, he left at the start of August, so sort of five, six weeks ago. Um, but one of the stats that sort of emerged just before he left was that, in something like eighty odd Vakehouse Liga games as manager, he'd never won two in a row. Mm. Um, now, albeit he was in charge of teams in, in Honka and Vanta, who were sort of at the bottom of the table, but um, and even at Inter, he didn't manage it. But Inter were after Hoyko, the, the second top scorers in the division. So it just seemed to be that yeah, nothing was running, you know, as well as perhaps he'd have liked, especially with the quality of forwards he had. You know, his brother, Timo Furuholm, he's got Ben Kalman, who's coming through this season mm. and really looking promising. But um, no matter what it is, there just always seems to be some sort of turmoil or drama behind the scenes, which, you know, is a shame because, you know, this this was set up for a good run and, and for whatever reason, it's not happened. It's a bit, I, 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 I don't know, if, I, don't, I, I don't know all of the ins and outs, but I think there must be something in the way that they they bring players in and they finance them because it, like you can see on, from a footballing perspective when you look at Shef, whenever you look at Sheffield's teams they always pretty much score goals and they're always relatively combative um, but but I don't think he's ever had a team that's been able to kind of like keep clean sheets basically that's been able to just sort of you know, lockout games. You know, there's lots and lots of examples of Sheffield when he's when he, they've been three one up or, or four four two up or something like that, and they just haven't closed out the last ten minutes, and they've sort of invited a sort of cup final finish. But it's but still, I mean, when I when I look at Sheffield, he just okay. He kept Honka up when uh, when they had no right to stay up because they weren't paying players, and there they, there was an exodus of, of talent. Uh, he got PK thirty five up when they had no right being promoted because they were they returned very quickly to where they came from. Um, he hadn't taken PK thirty five down when they when they when they kicked him out, so he's never still technically been relegated. He did keep Inter up last year, which wasn't like a foregone conclusion. So his CV is not exactly, you know, it's not exactly bad. When you when you look at the sort of the results on the pitch and what he does, he just has a real tendency to bring in talented, experienced players at. at what must be a relatively heavy cost. I think once they signed Oyala uh, in the summer, Miko Oyala, who'd, who'd left VFR Allen, and uh, you look at it and then you start adding up, okay, well, how many players have you got on your books in Inter that have been like 
on decent pro contracts in, in big big leagues and big clubs. And there's like, you know, uh, Oyala Furom, Mac Kanji came back. Uh, he's got his brother, Niaji, who's going to be doing a, doing decent money-wise. He still had Garcia, who he always takes, and, and then Julian Faber that he brought in. And you think those are the kind of players who aren't going to come to the Inter for, you know, like standard Vegas League contract. So while they're probably not sort of throwing transfer money around, they are probably throwing contract and wage money around a little bit. But it's um, a bit. We've got a question yeah. comment here, Mark, from on the message board here. Yuspe fifteen says it's hard. It's hard for for Inter to get any goals when they don't have any idea in their in their attacks in their forward play. Is that something that should have been dealt with with all that money being spent? He likes direct play. He likes big guys, and he likes he believes in sort of experienced players. So, Faubert and and Garcia were brought in for that to be the kind of creative links. But I mean, I do take the point. There always does seem to be this lack of kind of practical execution. And when people, when players under Shevky get stuck, they, they his only real answer is work harder <laughs> and fight more. And I, I think yeah, that's part of part of who he is. So I, I take the point. It, it, it's not. He doesn't create beautiful footballing sides. How about if we if we move on from Bakehouse Liga? I did, I did tell you we're going to rip through these as as much as we possibly can. Um, Let's have a little look at oh, a couple of things Palolito related. Um, we'll come on to an update on all the different versions of Swarman Cup that are currently running. Um, Rich, that was a noisy biscuit. It was it noisy? But yes. Definitely. It was definitely a biscuit. <laughs> um, Mark, uh, maybe, uh, or, or Rich, whoever, whoever wants to say a little bit about Perti Ayala, the... Uh, for the chairman, former chairman of the Finnish FA, the Palolito. Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's obviously sad to lose somebody, and nobody kind of uh, deserves. It. He, uh, he went through a lot of. Um, I think uh, uh, he needed to take time off work, and then came back and was sort of adamant and resolute that he could do it. But I think was probably fully aware that um, that uh, it wasn't going to be a. <laughs> that he tried. I think he tried to throw himself back into his work. After after taking his uh, his sick leave, I think the best thing to say is that uh, he was doing. He's, he's been widely. There's been lots of comments, lots of people um, passing on their condolences. That's been really good. It's kind of shown how well connected Bertie was, not just at home, obviously as you would expect for a chairman, but how well connected he was in places like FIFA and UEFA all, all around the world. So he got a lot of um, good notes from there. And I think just before uh, he passed away, he'd started to write a blog. In which he was trying to talk about the issues that were facing the Palito and the kind of his belief about how he thought he could take it forward. And I think in that sort of channel to the fans, there was still there was one or two areas where where most people can kind of agree. You might disagree about how he organizes people and funding to to lead different projects, but you can agree that I think you've probably seen that the, the structure, particularly of the kind of beauty to the regional beauty, is one of the biggest inhibiting factors to to developing football in Finland. So he was what, trying about to one, what about one lasting sort of legacy? One positive thing that he that he will be remembered for. He started the, the identity project, which we, we don't know a great deal about. His his last big program was this Kaiki Bella thing, and we always kind of said it's a, it's a difficult thing to um, to say that from finish football is doing well when when player registrations are up because the national team is still in the, in the toilet and Vegas Liga teams can't make it in uh, in Europe, for example. But 
the fact is, if, if you kind of have that logic and you believe that more registered players lead to you know greater participation, better understanding, and like better engagement with football in Finland, then his program of Kaikipela worked, and so he was able to kind of really increase. I think I can't remember what the, what the numbers were, but it was something like fifty to twenty percent more uh, registered football was crossed in the last three or four years. And, and grassroots is something that uh, a football association should be trying to develop as well. So um, let's let's leave it there. I think it was important that we should sort of mark the passing of, of Berti Ayala. And um, now, Rich, perhaps you'd like to talk about the Suomen Cups, plural, yes. they're currently live, um, which is maybe one of Palolito's uh, less impressive uh, yeah. organisations. I mean, we're at the, well, in the 2016-17 tournament, uh, we're a fortnight away from the final, finally. Um, that's Asiko against Hoiko. Um, the semi-finals for that, I think, were played at, I think, the 1st of April. So um, they've had a bit of time to, you know, to prepare for this. And um, they've had a few dress rehearsal matches and they haven't gone particularly well. I think the yeah, can, can, you, can you believe it? I'm not exactly... Yeah. Excited for this game coming yes. up. There's a cup final on my own doorstep, and in the previous two games, I think we're twelve nil down on aggregate. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of just one of these things that it's just been hanging over for for quite some time. Um, also on the same day, it's the Regions Cup final, which has Asikor's academy team uh, playing in that. So that should be quite interesting. You know, it's nice that having one stadium hosting both of their sort of well, I say senior, but representative teams are, are featured, which is you know good in in some way, and it's nice that the academy team has been doing so well in is it Coleman and Division. Um, I think they're looking like they might get promoted, but um, this year or next year's or whichever year's tournament, uh, we're into the third round now. Um, there's a couple of games have already taken place. This is the penultimate round before the group stage. So uh, yeah, we've got. Excuse me. Is Loomy going to join us? Yeah. Loomy's making a regular appearance in the uh, Finnish football show. But, um, yeah, so the next round, the fourth round, that's where the winners of each game go to the group stage. And, um, yeah, it's just a saga, isn't it? It's, um... I, I, I was looking at the website uh, last night and could, could see uh, all, all the different rounds up to the fifth round. And it was all a bit confusing. But there's, there's basically now... Um, like, let me let me find this. Oh, have I got it open? No, I haven't got it open. Um, but there's basically now eight, uh, four, four, eight, four fixtures, eight teams to play, and then those go into the, the group stages with Vakehouse Liga teams. Is that how it works? Um, pretty much, yeah. So there's there's five. There'll be five teams from this knockout round or the next round, and yeah. then they join tw- twenty five teams. Um, but it's I'm not sure. I think it's only some of the teams. Was it Tampa United decided not to join? Mm. Um, Olin Palasura, I don't think, are in it either. Mm. So um, it's again, we're, we're down to less than 100 teams have entered the tournament, whereas nearly 400 10 years ago. Mm. It's, um, you know, I don't know where the final's been played next year, but it's, it's very much the same. But uh, absolute lack of interest on all parts, including mine. That's that's not a very good appetite. Not very good attitude from a co-host of the Finnish football show. They they don't pay me to advertise. <laughs> well, how about we we move on from that then to um, this 
under-19s tournament that's taken place in Myanmar. So they were um, games between Portugal, Belgium, Finland and Holland taking place in Vaza and in Sainioki. Kind of a warm-up for next summer's uh, under-19 Euro competition. Um, I asked you one of you, well, I asked you both of you guys last night, what was the score in the final game between Finland and Holland? Because it's still not on the uh, Palolito website. Um, but it didn't go very well for Finland, Mark. No, I don't know. Sure. I'm not sure they'll ever put it up. Uh, what, was, what was the score in the Holland game? 9 0? 9 0? 9 0? 9 0. That's how it ended. Um, yeah, it's, phew, it depends what you want. I mean, so. <laughs> On the pitch, uh, there's pretty much nothing you could talk. It's it, it's like uh, it was you know just sort of real schoolboy stuff, and that's hard to say because uh, they are schoolboys because they are because they are in such a young age. But like when you think about sort of like Finnish football and development and stuff, so after the game, they did they did the usual stuff and they interviewed Sergei, right? And you could just, I mean, you see his face. So he, talk, he talked about the, you know, the, the three games for them all. And he talked about specifically the Holland game and, and how they got basically outrun and out, out and all the rest of it. But you could see sort of like, I think the last question that the guy had was either incredibly naive or incredibly poignant. I can't decide which was like, okay, where do we go next? And this teenager who's just had his backside handed to him by the Dutch just sort of stared blankly at the camera and you could... You sort of started to well up, and you thought, "This is a like this is trauma. Like this is the kind of thing that could break a kid's career, like you know, for you know, forever." So it's really like, I mean, I don't want to get too melodramatic about it, but I mean, three games, one goal, fourteen in, fourteen conceded, and uh, just an absolute demoralization. It's a bit for a young team. That's that's really heavy and hard stuff. So we're looking forward to the competition next summer, then. Well, this is well, this is it. I mean, off the pitch, you know, by all accounts, it all went really well. You know, the whole in the way that, yeah. say, the Confederations Cup is the, the lead up to the World Cup, and in terms of testing the venues and the infrastructure and everything like that, you know, and you've got two new stadiums, and you know, there, there was a fair bit of local interest. I mean, the tickets were fairly well priced, and you know, kids were allowed in the for next to nothing. Um, you know, and it was great. It's just, um, you know, you've wheeled out, you know, Portugal, who've won pretty much every tournament at age group football they've entered in the last 18 months. Um, you've got Belgium and Netherlands. So, you know, you want prestige premium teams to come and play. But it's, um, you know, you, you do wonder at the end of it, you know, what sort of impact will that have on the players? And the fact is, like Mark said, you know, they've they wheeled out Sergei Romenko to do this sort of interview at the end of the game. I didn't hear anything from the manager until the day after. And even then, it was just a couple of sort of rent-a-quote types. You know, didn't actually, you know, the manager should be shielding those players from this sort of thing. He should be stepping up. You know, he's probably paid a reasonable salary to, to take that on the chin. But it's a Finnish culture um, as well, isn't it? To stick a microphone in front of a player at halftime and immediately after the game. And, you know, in the hockey, you see them going around the, 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 the dressing room, you know, before, during and after with a, with a camera and a mic. So, um, but yeah, on the end of a shellacking, as somebody described it last night, um, maybe not the best thing to do. Get them, get them out of the firing line, literally. 
No, and and I mean that that's pretty much going to be the bulk of the squad who play in the tournament next year. So, you know, you've got it's mostly those players who are going to be featuring. You know, these are players who, you know, some of them are either at big big clubs in Europe or, you know, you look at Ademi. He's playing week in week out for Kemi now. You know, scoring goals. You know, he's getting a lot of top level Bakehouse League experience, and yet, you know, they go away with the national team and get absolutely fumped. Mm. So um, hopefully, you know, the preparation for the tournament, that, I'm sure that wasn't on the agenda, but, uh, you know, hopefully it's not going to cause too much long-term damage. I, I, also think, I also think it's not insignificant that you can't find the match report on the, on the website. Because I, I, I genuinely think there's an absolute aversion to trying to figure out how to deal with this kind of thing. And I think, so, I mean, it's, it's not easy to write, to write anything after, you know, like an absolute pasting. But... You can't pretend it didn't exist, and I think there's a big, there's a, in, in large parts of the of the Palolito and in football, there's a lot of that sort of hidden information. Well, it's bad news. No one's going to want to read it, so we just don't talk about it. And you think, well, all that leaves is the interviews with the players, mm. and like 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 Rich said, you know, part of part of the guy's paycheck, who's in charge, should be to, to shield those players. And I mean, his job really is to develop, and this is the kind of trauma that could really, really stunt players. So. Or just disaffect them. You know, like they don't want to. Like Bielorenko is to have a have a particular engagement problem with the Finnish national team from the setup because you know, they're talented, skillful guys, and they think that they know better. So if there's no structure to offer them when it's going bad for them, and there's no value in the ballot either to those guys, and you think, well, this is perfectly the time when you when you can turn around when he's thirty and say, look, I was there for you then when you needed me, but we can't say that now. And that, that, that under-19 Euros competition takes place in uh, June, July. So let's, uh, maybe let's just keep an eye on other under-19 results between now and then and just, just refer back to it as we, as we go through the, uh, through the rest of the year and into next year um, and see what sort of impact it's, it's having. We don't want, we're not criticising the kids. We don't want them to feel that, that you know, we're negative about what they did. Um, let's let's get behind them and uh, and support them into next year. I think so. One thing as well that you have to say is that if you lose like three or four nil, you can you can say that's on the players. Any team that loses nine nil, that's not on the players. That's a coach. I mean, you know, there's lots of different like you know variations. But, but if you were if you lose nine nil, you fundamentally not understand the, the deficiencies in your side and the strengths of the opposition. And there might not be a good way to defend against the Dutch, but it's definitely a coach's job to protect against that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Let's leave that one there. Um, next thing on our on our agenda is summer transfers. What's been going on? Who's who's moved where of interest this summer? Well, I guess the I mean the, the big sort of one was was Morelos leaving Hoikot. Um He's got the Rangers in Scotland and has scored seven goals in five games. He was the player of the month for August. Um, they got about I think it was just under a million pounds. Rangers paid. So that's. Um, you know, hefty whack in Hoyukor's coffers. Um, they replaced him with Philip Valencic from Kemi, uh, and his release clause was thirty thousand euros. So, you know, they've they're not like for like. You know that you know Valencic isn't a, an out and out forward in the way that Morelos was, but you know he's already come in and scored, you know, some goals. Um, and certainly for for thirty grand, you know, he's a competent, competent player. Yeah. Um, 
Hoikov also signed another fellow whose name was Jean Bagugi, who's an Ivorian centre-forward who had come from Russia. And I remember watching his first match, and I can't remember who it was against, and he started for 45 minutes. He was hooked at half-time, and it reminded me of watching George Weyer's cousin playing for Southampton. He was, Ali Dyer? Yes, former Finn, <laughs> former Finn Parfoot player he was. But... Um, yeah, he was just dreadful. Um, he's already left. They've packed him off to Turkey. So um, yeah, one for the uh, one for the archives there. But um, yeah, no, I mean that was that was the the big story really. I mean it was the usual sort of players you've never heard of coming in, and there the aren't you don't tend to get a lot of transfers between Vakehouse League clubs during the win, during the season. But uh, yeah, I mean that was that was the big one. Any others pull your eye, Mark? Yeah, and abroad, so so Sally Weisen and left Aiko uh, and he's joined Spal. So we've got another Serie A defender. His first game was a nil-nil draw clean sheet against I think, Lazio. His second game yeah. was a win against Udinese. So he's taken to life in uh, Serie A very well because they're not like, they're a team, I think they were odds on roughly to go back down. Um, so, so he started well and he's looking, you know, more confident, I think. You know, if he gets a season, I mean, not even a season. If he gets half a season under his belt, roughly, he'll be like, he'll he'll become the pro that we all kind of expect him to be. So uh, I think that's an incredible move. The other guy moving out of Stockholm was Eero Markkinen, who's gone to the the club that has destroyed more hockey careers than Dynamo Dresden. So, so uh, in Dresden, Markkinen's played, I think, about thirty minutes or so. Um, one or two sub appearances, um, and he's not notched yet. So he's getting Markman's getting to that age now where he needs a he needs thirty games and he needs to get at least ten goals out of them somewhere that we can start again. Because uh, I would have, we hoped that that the move back to Aiko was the one sort him out, and he's played it off and on, but he's never managed to stamp down a regular place there in Sweden. So I hope. I hope we can turn it around in, in Dresden, but for some reason, we send a lot of players there that don't get any time. There's also been a couple, a couple of batches of new players coming to Asikor, which I think is probably going through one by one is, is, a bit, is a bit futile because some of those that came in during the season have, have moved on already and others that have come in haven't played many, many games. Um, so let's, let's not make too many judgments there other than and again, I'll talk about it in more detail, but just this, you know, batches of new players dropping into a, into a squad and trying and a diff, for a different manager and trying to assimilate those different into this squad, I think is probably part of what's, what's been going on here in, in Sainiyoki this year. Um, do you want me to talk about that now? We've got two more things to talk about in a bit more detail. We've got about... Um, Half an hour. One is, it, I think as you call, would be good. It's we're we're there now, aren't we? We might as well stay. Yeah, yeah. go on then. I'll, I'll I'll do it. It's been an utter utter shambles of a season. Well, we did. So we did say, like, so you mentioned that just before, just then, like about dropping lots and lots of new players in. But yeah. we said two, three shows ago that the the, uh, the work as needs to be fundamental. Like the whole spine needs to be actually addressed. And I think that was, I mean. We thought a while ago that that was the sort of part, the reason behind the partner of, of the ways, but it seems even on the pitch that you've not really brought anybody in to try and address it. 
Well, I was I was talking about this at home this morning. So this this season, my girlfriend Satu, she's got her season ticket. She's there every game. Football's something that she's had a passing interest in before, but she's never gone regularly to watch the games. So she started coming last season when things were okay, and then at the end of the season, a bit better. And then we started this season with losing a load of the of the influential players that were there last year, like. Risky, like Duco, like um, oh, and, and names. Uh, um, you Oyala went to uh, Oyala when um, oh, course, went to yeah, um, and they they kind of weren't weren't replaced. Well, it, they weren't completely replaced by the time the um, Simo had left, which was pretty much as the season was starting. They were playing, so so then Bostrom starts, signs some more players to fill gaps, but basically that was at the start of the season. All the preseason, all the Swarman Cup games, didn't feature those players. Um, you could see that the team hadn't gelled, and I and I was just saying, come on, let's be let's be patient. Let's let them find the way the manager wants them to play. Let the team gel, and. It didn't work, obviously, because Bostrom was then moved on. Um, in came Manuel Rocker, who, as I understand, was on his way to the club anyway as a coach. And then by the time he actually <laughs> arrives in Saniyoki, finds that he's he's going to be the first team manager, first team coach, whatever. He's the he's the head he's the head guy, and tried to work at coaching the players that were there. So you've got the players left over from the previous season, plus those that have been brought in by Simo during the close season, plus those that have come in under Bostrom. Works with those for, I don't know, a couple of months. Then another batch of players comes in in June, July time. Maybe, yeah, maybe July. And some of those that came in under Bostrom, for example, um, Facundo um, left. Now, he was one that got the fans excited. He was a bit kind of in and out of the game, but he had some creativity. And he left, which was disappointing. We had a great song for him as well, which, which got everyone quite excited. Um, and we can't sing that anymore. Um, the, and those new players came in. They haven't all played. Yoel Mero, uh, young um, Finnish defender, centre-back, and Sundman, young Finnish left-back, have actually come in and looked quite strong. It's really good going down the, going down the wing. And he had a few years at Aston Villa and uh, at the academy and, and has come back and looks a good, a good player. But there's, I, I feel like there's all these kind of batches of players and, and dare I say, cliques of players? I don't know. Mm. Um, that just aren't playing together and you know the I, I've been saying all season we've been starting games well it's, it's clearly a confidence thing you know someone for, for me someone who's been watching football for 35 years or whatever you know when a team is unconfident it's not that they're not trying it's not that they're being lazy they just don't have the belief that what they what they're going to do is going to work and therefore Things, they, they stop trying things. They stop moving into space because they're not sure that the ball's going to come there. And then, and then the whole thing starts to break down. And I think I didn't see the the, the six nil away to 
But my God, I saw and I felt the 6-0 at home <laughs> to Hoyiko. And, and in the first half, we, it was good. It was, it was pretty even. We made chances. They made chances. One, one big difference all season is that when Asikor gets a chance, we don't take it. We, we scuff it wide. We put it over. We, we take maybe one touch too many in the box. And I, that's probably as well. And if you saw the goals against Hoyiko, um, they probably had seven shots and scored six. And they were flying in from all over the place. And they weren't... OK, it wasn't Axelou's best game, but in goal for, for Asikor. But you wouldn't blame him for all six goals. One or two he could have done better with. Others, you're talking top corner, bottom corner, just inside the post. It's not... And, Unlucky because what happened is in the second half, the second goal went in on I don't know 55 minutes or something, and then you just saw heads drop. And every time they attacked, they came through on goal, and it was painful. I think it was 4 0 after 66 minutes, and I was like this head, you know, resting on the on the on the the, the fence in front of my where I was standing, like that. And everyone else was as well. And it was, I, I, think, I think by the end of it, the clock it was singing, we want seven, six is not enough, if my translation is, is correct. And I couldn't even bring myself to join in with the gallows humour. I, I was beyond the gallows. And, and, and actually, to be, you know, there, there, there had been a run of five or six games unbeaten through the summer, which is why somehow Asikor is sitting there on... Was it 35, 35 points? It's, it's amazing to me that we've managed to win 10 games. It's won 10, drawn 5, lost 10. That's a lot of games to lose. And I think the wins have come with sort of 1 0, 2 1 victories. And the defeats have come in 6 0, 6 0, 4 0 hammerings. So that's probably why it feels like it's been a really, a really tough season. Um, and against Yi Corps, it was the same thing. At first half, individually, the Asi Corps players are better than Yi Corps. You know, clearly, you can see it in the way we were playing. First half started. Take. Um, and then in the second half, there were these two, um, two minutes. Uh, not, sorry, not two minutes. Two spells in which Yi course scored twice. You know, they, they got two goals in, I think, six minutes. And then 10 minutes later, they got another two goals in six minutes. And the whole team folded again. And that's the team that was bottom. You know, we said, we said before, they, they're sitting there on 15 points. And they got three of them against us in a 4-0 victory. And that, that was the first time I've ever heard Cloppet boo its own players. And it's not because they lost. It's because the manner in which they lost and the fact that that has happened too many times this year. Mm. Um, and looking, like looking at, the, at the squad, I said that all these batches of players have come in. And if you look through the squad, there are a lot of players that are young Finnish players. You know, Sundman and Obed Malalo um, and Danny Hatakta playing for the under-21s. And Hatakta was called up to the... Um, national team, the, the, the full team, the full squad uh, to, to, as a reserve earlier this week or last week. Um, 
And you've got players like Laugson and, and Hetemai and, uh, and even someone like Billy Irons, who's been in Finland for six or five or six years and is a, a kind of a product of the Finnish league. I, I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's about. I don't want to sit here and criticise foreign players coming in because that's. I'm a foreign player coming into the Finnish system as well, and I, you know, <laughs> I'm not negative about that. But maybe, but maybe there is a core of. A, a, a squad can be built around these young Finnish players that would connect with the fans. Uh, that, that maybe can be the the foundations for rebuilding. For next year, I don't, I don't know, but it's um, something's got to happen. And, and I, I said at the start of the show that I'm, I'm heading off uh, as soon as we finish recording here. There's a, a fans forum at Oma Aspe Stadion here in Sainioki um, for all, all fans. Uh, it's going to be uh, Raimo Sariavi, chairman of Asico, Temo Vertela, the uh, um, managing director of Asico, are going to be there. Hopefully, explaining why and how this shambles has come about this year, um, and also explaining what's going to be going on in future, and then taking questions from the from the fans. So, uh, I'm going to go there with my microphone. I'm not going to record the whole thing, but when it's all finished, I'm going to see if I can get a few words with people. Larry Pasky, the uh, friend of the show and supporter, liaison officer at ASICOR, has agreed to speak to me and explain a little bit what's been said and what's what the plans are for the future. Um, but it was announced sort of last week, Rich, you, you posted this story that uh, Manuel Oroca was on his way out and it was poo-pooed by Larry at the time. And, and maybe, the, maybe the actual story, the headline in the story about someone already being selected to come in uh, yeah. is not necessarily that, accurate. That was, the, that was the part that was poo-pooed. He didn't say anything about Oroca going, did he? Yeah. Well, I, I was expect, waiting for you to poo-poo his poo-poo. <laughs> in Blackadder style, um, but then it, but then we played away at Coops on Friday, lost two one, and now Manuel Rocker has gone. So, um, and I, I shared the, the the story with you last night that he's he's now left. Um, that uh, Brian Page, who has been first team coach and academy coach, uh, he, and is now going to take over a caretaker to the end of the season, along with Tony Lettinen. Um, who is also coaching in the in the academy and is you know a former ASCII core player and a bit of a, a sort of ASCII core fan favourite in his day. Um, so yeah, it's it's. I think it's a, I mean, in the air once one more time. It's four four managers essentially in one season. That's, that's, that's a shambles, and I, I don't think it's all down to the players. And it and it, it, it there's something else, or not there's something else going on in some big conspiracy way. But but somebody hasn't been doing their job properly to allow for there to be four managers in one season. So I think I mean uh, there was there was a fair decent fairly decent crowd that I didn't want to side with when Sixton Borstrom came in that said that he wasn't good enough. And that uh, the, the wins that he got at Hoyiko were like on the back of a good squad. Basically, anybody could have won with that the Hoyiko side that he won the championship with. Uh, and it sort of turned out to be a little bit sort of, sort of true that, that Ostrom didn't really add a great deal. And if you look at his CV, he came from the States, but he didn't come from managing the States, he came from coaching the States. Rocker, I 
didn't know a thing about when he turned up. But predominantly, if you look through his CV, his, the last club on his CV was, or the last achievement was promotion from the Cypriot second division. And then before that, it was like the lower leagues in Greece. And you think, well, okay, he could be one of those guys that, you know, he's young, he's only 40 or something like that. So he could be just a young coach making his way in the game, doing his, you know, earning his bread. But that's two appointments that you don't have a really great track record for in the back. Because I think one of the things is when you look at that squad of, of Asiko that you mentioned, you're right. You've got a pocket of, of pro really promising uh, young Finnish players like like Hataka and Mero, but also the Hredetskis are there, Lingas there, Malolo. Uh, and then you've also got like a, a relatively decent-sized group of, of experienced players like Zanelli and Hurme who came in. One, one thing I would say there uh, is that Zanelli, I, I thought, looked poor towards the start of the season. He came in under, I think, under uh, Bostrom. And he looked poor and he looked a bit lazy. And under Rocker, he's really been working hard and fighting and looks a decent player. So I don't think we should think that Rocker has only done bad things. There have been some improvements to the team. Hmm. Can I float something that is controversial, but I think would be good for Asiko? Hmm. Mixu. <laughs> you said that in a message yesterday. I didn't know if it was if you were just drunk after being at the cricket all day, I, or well, that, that was part of that. But um, I, the <laughs> fact is, I you know the the club infrastructure physically is good. The the, the decision making process, the whole the structure within about you know how the strategy, the the tone, the way that even just the ambition, you know what. What is Asiko trying to do this season? You know, at the start of the year, obviously they wanted to win the title, but you know they can't seem to sort of get around the fact that you know if you're in the lower, you know, mid table, you know you need to play a different way. You need to get a different mindset. You need to play. You know, there's a reason why they're on 35 points and 20 behind Hoyko. It's um, you know, but I think you know if, if and in the way that you know Simo had you know a long time there to set up you know almost a legacy as such you know he was there long enough to, to he was part of the furniture and he was a constant in that club um you know i mean i, I know the name that Ari burton suggested was tommy calton the other day which I, i'm not that impressed by um but you know i'll be honest mixu patalainen is back in finland doing media work <laughs> Asiko could do a lot worse than hire him. Someone to get the fans excited and to and to a bit of profile to the to the club as well. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that obviously the Finland job went horribly wrong. But again, you know, there were so many different things going on that you know, obviously he was the manager and he goes down with the ship. But um, I, I think if he's at a club, you know, one of the bigger clubs in Finland, I, I think he could make a big difference in getting them, you know, yeah, he's not one for the future. He's not, he's not a young up and coming coach as such, but, you know, he's a very knowledgeable guy. Yeah. And if given the right environment and the right sort of freedom, you know, and, and again, you know, you get in that culture, you have that mindset where he's managing a national team who are struggling. Part of it's his fault. But, you know, if he goes to a club where he's expected to win more games, you know, will that, bring more out of him will he bring you know he spent so much time on the sort of UEFA and FIFA technical committees you know he spends the summers 
in the company of Alex Ferguson and you know some of the supposed brains of the the football world you know watching was it the technical advisor committee or something um you know he should there's a lot in there and you know I know it's easy to say but it's is he being wasted doing a bit of Premier League coverage on a Saturday? Although, it's easy, easy money. Isn't it? There's this. Com- <laughs> made uh, some more comments. He actually made some comments earlier about Bugugi at Hoyiko. Um but more recently has just said that um, Balagari got fined for wanting signings. Then Bostrom came in with signings. Then Rocker came in with even more signings. It doesn't <laughs> seem like Raimo Sarriavi has any long-term plans. And then next comment says, or the only long-term plan is getting matches for his son, Yesse Sabayarvi, which I think is a little bit, is a little bit harsh. Um, but but I, would, I would say that the, the long-term planning, has, with the manager at least this year, has to be questioned. Like, um, Bostrom came in at short notice and Rocker came in and was given the manager's job at short notice. I mean, is it is it necessary to to sort of just put someone straight in like that? Could is it would it not have been a good idea when Bostrom left to say to uh, to Brian, okay, take over as caretaker, mm. and this guy Rocker's coming in as first team coach, and just steady the ship now, and we'll look for a long term manager. It, it feels a little bit like these appointments have been rushed just to make sure the position is filled um, rather than planning for the, for the future. And now, you know, there's what, eight, eight league games and one cup final to go. So let's hope that, that Brian Page and Donny Lettinen can just steady the ship, get through to the end of the season. We, if we win the Swarman Cup final, we're in Europe again next year, which is kind of uh, an aim of the of the club is to get into Europe and to and to progress. We had three seasons in 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 Europe where we've gone out in the first round. So we need to try and get into the second round and third round and try to progress like that. And I think it would be seen as a huge step backwards not to not to qualify. Um, but this needs to be the time where a little bit of okay, the manager's gone. Apparently they've been fighting or arguments among the players and between the, the manager and the, and the players. And that's what's ultimately led to this, this breakdown in communication and for him to leave. So let's get, get let, let's kind of regroup. Let's, let's start fighting together on the same side rather than with one another. Let's start, get out on the pitch and fight for the club and for the, the fans. And then let's, Let's find someone who can be here for the long for the long term, whoever whoever that is. I, I don't know whether that should be an internal appointment or or an external appointment with a low profile or an external appointment with a high profile. I don't have a strong feeling about that, but let's just pause and take a breath. Mm. And I think on, the, maybe I should pause and take a breath. I think the only thing that I'd like to say is, well, Mitsu is a good choice. It's quite simple. There's one guy who is available. We'll fight everybody <laughs> and anybody wherever. Big Shevki, he's he's ready. <laughs> I think I think I, I do you said that I think while I was taking a drink of water. You did that on purpose. That's crazy. <laughs> I think right. If you did say to Shevki, no family members and no aging Galacticos, right? Those are the rules. Take the job, and then he took the job. We finally get to see kind of like what he's like because I think really what what he's done predominantly is try to build this same the same club in lots of different places. 
And I think if we, if you if you said to Sheffield, like, okay, you're experienced and you have had some results and you have had some controversies as well. You know, if you if you don't basically blow the, the wage budget on old guys, and if you don't bring in people you are either related to or know through your like social network, then you can come and manage. And I think he, I think he'd probably be doing it. He'd probably do a better job than than what he's been doing in, at Inter or at Honka or PK35. Right. I tell you, I tell you what. I'm going to put those two suggestions to whoever I can speak to at the club later and see what they say. Uh, and hopefully, when this when this live show ends, I'll add in some audio of what I've recorded later, and we'll see what they what they have to say. If, uh, if either of those things happen, though, Mixu or Shevki, then I think we do need a cut. Okay. <laughs> but this is Finnish football, so that it won't be very high. It won't be a very big cut. Yeah. It will be a big cut of something not very big in the. First. I'm thinking like a pint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got one more. We've got one more subject to discuss. Let's move on. Uh, and. Uh, I don't need to talk too much about this, but Hukayat um, results, Mark. It's, it's taken a turn for the better recently. There's been three World Cup qualifiers and one friendly in the last few months. So how about if we talk about generally the, the, the performance in those, in those World Cup qualifiers? Uh, just, just so that for everyone listening, there were three games. One in June, which was uh, against Ukraine at home and, and Finland lost 2-1. And then at the beginning of September, it was Finland versus Ireland, Ireland. Finland versus Iceland, mm-hmm. uh, which was 1-0 to Finland, uh, which is a, a cracking result. And then away to Kosovo, which was also 1-0 to Finland. So two solid results and, and six points in, in a matter of a few, game, a few days. So um, what's, what's gone right? So, uh, the, so the first game in the summer was the friendly against Liechtenstein, which was a, an encounter I'd rather forget altogether, except for the fact that Mehmet Haytemai scored uh, his first goal for, for Finland, which was a lovely header, which I thought was a, an amazing point like for both him and for us and for, for Finland. So that was a, a good game. In, in, yeah, uh, big up, big up to, to Mehu, friend of the show um, and, a, and an all-round good guy. So really pleased to see him get a goal. For the for the first team, and in that game we've got like a thread of how things have gone better. So so what happened in the game with Liechtenstein? We drew one one against a minnow, and really we slowed the pace down and we started to play at their level. We started very well, but over time we basically started to play at their level. So we tried to we became more and more pub team like at the end. And when we conceded the equaliser, Freddie Jensen um, kind of boxed in a little bit. He turned back into his own half and played a long diagonal back pass to Moisander. Um, that didn't make it. Uh, it the, the, the pass was intercepted, and uh, their guy, I think it was Hassler, picked a, picked a 20 yard shot into the bottom corner because he had a, just a, an acre of space and time in which to do so. But it wasn't Frederick Jensen's fault, really, for that goal. So, what happened was he was getting boxed in and chased around, and the players around him weren't giving him an option out. So the only player who really did offer him like a, a passing option was Moisander, the captain. And he, sh- like, he basically called for the pass um, without scanning the situation. So he called for the pass quite early. And it was a bit, you, if, when you, if, you, if you watch the highlights again, you'll see that you'll see him, first of all, like show and say, okay, I'm here. Uh, like, give me the ball. And then after he, after, after he ends up basically turned up and looked and saw him, he hit it. And then Moisander started to back away because he got a bit worried after a while that there was actually, you know, opponents in his, in his vicinity. And that's really what caused the... Um, caused the, the equalizer it was a it was fundamentally an individual an, an error and a bad call from Moisander. So we get to like a couple of days later against um 
Ukraine, we played really, really well. Really, really like um, it's very similar to how we played in, in in the Iceland game. Very similar to how we played in the Kosovo game. What happened was uh, in that game we made again a lot of really badly timed and almost inexplicable errors. So Timo Bukki picked up a back pass inside the box um, and skied it from like eight yards. And it's the kind of like it's very rare, but we all do it. We go, yeah, I could have put that away. But I'm relatively confident if I'd have picked even against an international keeper. I think if you pick the ball up eight yards from goal on the angle, with the keeper really unaware about what was about to happen, most players, regardless of position or, or level that you play in, could probably finish that shot. And he just ah, lifted his head up and hit it into the stands, like you know, like like you can't believe. And by the same token, at the other end against Ukraine. Um, Moisander and Co switched off entirely after after Joel Pogenbalo had scored the equalizer, and so we conceded uh, the second goal in about sixty seconds, roughly, uh, or something in thereabouts uh, to Ukraine. So the difference between that Ukraine game and then what we did against Iceland was, first of all, we put a lot of like emphasis on that on the midfield area and, and brought Alex Ring into the middle, who's been playing really well in the states. Um, but also, we didn't make stupid, inexplicable mistakes. And I don't know if it's like you know, fatigue or training or preparation or just the fact that that we didn't have the kind of experienced players who have been, uh, let's say, maybe under too much pressure for too long um, in there, like making bad calls. We just really had like, like if you look throughout the side, there wasn't really any baggage on the pitch against Iceland. Nobody had a specific point to prove. Everybody just had a kind of a job to do. And so I really think against Iceland in particular, the the way we played, the way we moved the ball, was just kind of as a We didn't do that many things differently. And um, well, once Alex Ring got his, his wonder strike against... Uh, Sounds like that, you're being heckled from South yeah, I am. I am. She's, not, she's not a fan of Alex Ring. It, wasn't, it was, I bet she thinks it was better. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I think once Alex Ring got the goal, the, the task was a lot easier and there wasn't that many that many players who are who have been prone to mistakes. So that's what I mean. Let, let me ask you, Mark, what, uh, because I, I didn't see the... Um, I didn't see the Iceland game. I saw the last quarter of it because Satu and I went on a, a tour of <laughs> Pokhyama in the car on uh, on Saturday, and I, I didn't get back in time. But uh, Alex Ring scored on Saturday. Was he suspended from the game on Tuesday? No, he got a few knocks. So yeah, I did. I did ask actually on Twitter, so, um, but no, he got I wouldn't say an injury but yeah he wasn't in shape to play he wasn't even named on the bench so. what about Hetemar he because he he was getting some positive praise on on the Iceland game did he not want to play against Kosovo yes um, it was the same as last time yeah but basically what happened is that obviously he was one of the players who eligible to have switched nationalities it were um and I think you know and it was something that came up when I interviewed him a couple of years ago that you know while it's something that you know, he feels in, in a lot of way that he's Kosovan um you know he's he's a Finland player and everything else and he's you know he, he didn't want to be in that position where you know and, and no one holds any grudge against him for it I mean it's you know it's one of those one of those things isn't it but um yeah I mean he, he, he was 
fantastic against Iceland last week. But, uh, you know, it, it was everyone knew at the start that he was only going to be in the squad for the Iceland game, so it wasn't a shock. Okay. Yeah, no, I, 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 when I saw that he wasn't there, uh, when I saw the teams for the, for the um, Kosovo game, I saw that Ring and Hetemai were both missing, which surprised me. And then I, I assumed it was something like, like you just yeah. explained there. Yeah, but I think fantastic might not be enough because I think there's been a couple of articles about that so it was like the best, the best performance by a Finland player probably in the last decade. And while that sounds like a really big statement, it's not. There's not. There's not, not a great deal of competitors in that category. And I do, and I do think Haytemai was was fantastic. He was all over the pitch uh, in a good way against Iceland. He took the ball forward. Uh, he protected, protected the, uh, the ball and his teammates. He gave everybody time. He never didn't miss a pass. Um, uh, so, and and, and and then on the Tuesday game against Kosovo, um, what was what was different, or or did they build on that performance with with just a different formation or different lineup? Uh, so they, they made six changes. Was it six? I think. Uh, yeah, six. Six six changes from the from the. Um, Iceland game, um, and it was a, it was a strange one. I think because a lot of uh, Kosovo played amazing against Croatia. So at the same same or the, rather on the Sunday, uh, they played uh, against Croatia, and they, it was only one nil, and it was like a set piece goal as well from a, from an absolute beauty of a Modric cross that uh, Croatia got the win. And I think it, me and there's a, a couple of others were just sort of expecting that that Kosovo would be really priming themselves up for the kind of the first competitive win of their. Of their um, of their history, I guess, um, and they were making all the right noises. The the coach had come out and said he was going to retire after the after the campaign, or not retire, but resign from the national team because he wanted the the team to develop further. Um, the performances leading up were quite good. All of the like the captain and all the press interviews were saying that okay, Finland are a team we can definitely go and get, particularly if they've got injuries. So I was quite everybody was quite apprehensive um, from the Finland side. The five changes resulted in a rough. 4-4-2. Jensen tends to kind of pick up a place uh, off up top. Um, but it, it really quickly became apparent that, that they were gassed, that they were that they didn't have Kosovo didn't have anything in the tank. So after about 10-15 minutes or so, um, they started to hump long balls. And I mean Tim Sparv and Thomas Lamb in the middle of the pitch did really well to start to, to break up play through the middle to kind of force them into into long passes and crosses. But I don't know. I think I think if we look back at the Kosovo game, we didn't really play that well. We could have taken, or could have maybe should have taken a, a, like a bigger win and imposed ourselves more on the game. Because against Iceland, the game was to frustrate them and to break them down and, and to, to slow their game down. But against Kosovo, we could have sped up the pace of the play and we could have put them under more pressure, um, like a lot earlier on. In the Kosovo game, I will say though that Alvin Grandland was, was great. Like he came on for I think his first full like ninety minutes uh, at right back, and he looked really good. And going particularly going forward, he, he offered a lot of nice incisive through balls and offered an option out, out wide. I thought there was um, a lot of good play up front, a lot of kind of one and two touch football to to make opportunities cutting through the the Kosovo defence. It was uh, I, can I say this? It was a pleasure to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think so. I think that's why we. Sh I mean, we sh that's why we should have won more because I think there was a, there was a lot of times when we imposed ourselves on them, they couldn't get anywhere near the ball, but we didn't really 
for some reason, in both the, both the Iceland game and in the Kosovo game, we don't like to shoot in the box. <laughs> we get the ball in the box, then we take a touch and lay it off and lay it off and drop it off to somebody outside the box who tries to hammer it, and generally it goes sort of straight at the keeper. But, I mean, we were really, like, we were really positive, and it was nice, it was just nice to watch a game and think, yeah, we'll, we'll be all right. We got it, when we got to 80 minutes, and you could see it starting to get scrappy, the yellow cards were coming out, some of the tackles were getting a bit rough. Uh, Jensen got got uh, he got dragged down I think start of the second half with a, with a pretty dirty tackle from behind. He, he needed to be replaced. And when Scrab came on, Scrab was uh, also quite uh, quite nice and quick going forward. I mean, he drew a lot of I don't know good attention and bad attention from the defenders. He drew uh, a lot of attention from the press with his uh, signal to the referee from the side. <laughs> that was incredibly unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 for those that don't, for those that didn't see it, it uh, he was he had his arm in the air, waving to the ref to come on. At the same time that he was, I don't know, wiping sweat from under his nose, and it looked like he was making some kind of Nazi gesture. But I think most people shared it in uh, in good humour, rather than uh, rather than any serious complaint. Yeah, and then Pukki got his goal from all of two yards, which was uh, it, for me it's quite strange because he, he did really well. He, he took he, for the for very few very few times in the match did he actually go and take on his opponents, mm. and he burnt past two defenders to get to the byline to put in the cross for Hammerlinen. Um, and he, he should do that more. He needs to do that more because he he caused them. Well, as soon as he ran at them, they had no idea. Like they really had a difficult time trying to contain him. Yeah, he did. You're right. He did score from like two yards, but it was the work he did before in in making the opportunity and then following up that was that was really nice, nice to see and and deserved for him as well. Yeah. yeah okay. And I think I think after it though, I think we've got there's some nice questions for um for kind of and the rest of them because I think you know if you look at the if you look Moisander missed out. He was injured for the, for both these games. When he gets fit again, I don't think he gets back in the team. Because, I mean, he's 30 and he's a brilliant player, fabulous professional, lots of experience. But, I mean, if you look at Arayuri and Bison and the centre-backs, he was mainly centre-back after Oyala got injured in the Iceland game. And he did the full 90 minutes as a, as a pair for the Kosovo game. And I thought they both looked really good. He's not going to take out Yeri, Yeri Urunen, who's on the left-back. So, I'm not sure Moisander comes back and works with the team. And I'm, I'm not sure, you know, I think, I think even Eero Markkanen did really well. Like, got some stick for missing for fluffing his chance against Iceland. He had a couple of chances that he could have done better with, but he led the line quite well. And he brought he brought other midfielders into the game. So one of the reasons the midfield was so strong was that Markkinen was able to bring him in. You could see that was missing against Kosovo. He tends to sort of take the ball and turn and run forward, and rather than bring in the players that are, are, are in around him. Okay, I think that we might need to wrap it up there. We have been just over an hour. We've managed to get through. A hell of a lot so and we've kept it nice and tight maybe there's something for us to learn in the future mm -hmm. after 16 episodes maybe we've we're i'm keeping an eye on that clock and trying to not not let it go too long and i think we've done quite well so let me let me just remind everyone of our three websites so there's fcswami.com uh, Mark, your most recent article was uh, naturally a, a report from the, the Kosovo game and obviously the Iceland games uh, a week or so ago. Um, Rich, you, your last post was uh, 
was uh, back in June, actually, about hookah you'd need near transfer. And that uh, was written by Mark as well. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> but but you've got something else going on. Why don't you just tell everybody a bit about what you're doing this afternoon? Um, yeah, it's a very just a big change of pace. Just um, slowly starting a podcast about 80s movies, um, leaning heavily on the popular Smirsh pod, which is about Bond films. Um, it's a very, very loosely affiliated spin-off of that. Um, today, we say myself and Rich Johnson from the Football Attic, uh, we've watched Whiffnail and I, and we're going to be talking about that, which is, uh, you know, very an interesting sort. But um, now we've got some big guests lined up. got um, James Richardson from uh, what is the now Totally Football Show, Christian O'Connell's yeah. coming on. So, um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's uh, it's taken a long time to get to this stage. Where today is actually the first episode we're recording. But uh, is it okay? Yeah, and um, yeah, no. So from um, they they'll I'm not going to put those on until next month. But uh, they'll they'll be coming every sort of every week ish. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm saying in the run up to Child Two, it's um, you know because I I don't I have too much time on my hands anyway. So. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> clearly, clearly, clearly not. If you're making babies every couple of years, that keeps you busy enough. Congratulations on that. Uh, again. But, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I've timed it better. So we're doing it in the uh, in the winter, so I won't be missing any of the Vegas league season. <laughs> or, or maybe it's better to do it during the football season. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, good, good luck with the um, with the podcast. Uh, you know, this is this has been a a grounding for you. Now you have to do the technical stuff as well so maybe i'll start picking your brains for for tips Blimey. <laughs> um i'm uh, my my explorefinlandpodcast.com website um still not really many podcasts on there but been been a bit busy uh blogging lately a few i did a photo blog last weekend just took a took a road trip uh through pokemon and, and visited a few different places and satu and i are getting out and exploring so i i think we might do a bit more of that before winter arrives, so keep your eyes keep your eyes peeled there. And uh, I think I mentioned last time this visit saniyoki.fi slash en. I'm doing a monthly blog there for uh, visit saniyoki as well about my my take on certain aspects of Finnish life. So if you are interested remotely in what I have to say or what I think, then check me out there. Um, Subscribe to this show on the YouTube channel. You can search for me, Mark Wiltshire, or search for the Finnish Football Show, or search for Finnish Football Show on whatever podcast player you use. It, will, it should be on all of those. Um, I'll try and get this edited in the not-too-distant future once I've got out of this um, fans forum with Asikor today and, and know exactly what I've got to put out there. So uh, anything else from you, Mark? Nah. Okay. No, thanks for joining us. Nice to see you. See you again. And to you, Rich, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks. See you later, the next, boys. The next Hukiyat games are in early October, so maybe we should get together just after that and discuss those and Swarman Cup and the how, how the Vakehouse League is looking for the uh, end of the year. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. All right, good stuff. Well, with that, let's listen to the theme tune and uh, we'll speak again soon. Thanks for joining us on the Finnish Football Show. Hi, it's Mark here. So, as promised, I am sitting down after the ASICOR Fans Forum 
uh, Oma Aspe Stadion. I'm with friend of the show, Laddie Paskey. Hi, Laddie. Hey. So we just heard uh, about an hour of uh, talking from uh, Raimo Sariavi, ASICO chairman, and then Mikhail Axelou, uh, ASICO captain, stood up and talked and, and gave quite a, I think, uh, gave a talk with some real feeling about yeah. how he's feeling, for yeah. how the players are, are feeling. Um, yeah. Laddie, maybe you can tell us a little bit what's, what's been going on, what's, what's caused the club to have this event today? Uh, okay, uh, we have to start from the um, the season when we won the championship, because because also Raimo start from there when we were talking today, and and uh, the, then uh, after that uh, championship when we, we won, after that uh, Raimo thinks that the, the clubs uh, usually can like level of of, of doing things a little bit drops. Okay. So, so everything goes a little bit drop. We we kind of like uh, we we kind of like the, everyone in the club think that uh, we have now achieved something and 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 now we can like uh, relax, relax, re- re- yeah, a little bit, yeah. And also, there's uh, everyone knows at the ta- at the time at the stadium going to be on next year and and everything, like like all the all the dreams come true. Mm. So after that, there there was like a little bit kind of hangover thing. Uh, uh, after that, and uh, and there was uh, like uh, the, the coach at that time, Simo Walakari, uh, uh, also also his uh, level of how, how he want all the players to train and everything. That level a little bit get downer than it was before. So everything start from there, and then uh, uh, the club is now like how you said we 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 like met the met the bottom. Now, yeah. Now happened everything. Like now, and now we start over. Everything is starting over, and we are now doing everything together as a club and as a fans and with the with the players and players are with the with the fans and everything. We like we like talked every issue what we have and openly. Uh, Raimo Sarajar we uh, was talking with the, with the fans and answered every question, even the like like even the. Questions, what he maybe not wanted to yeah. answer, but he answered everything, and 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 also then uh, Mick Waxel came over here, and he was uh, he, he he was here not not invited. He he wanted to come, okay, and he wanted to come to tell the fans that uh, we, we need you and and the team team needs you and and we wanted to be with the fans and and there's there's lots of these kinds of kinds of uh, conversations what we going on today. We've so been we've been talking. In the in the most recent Finnish football show, um, I think I was speaking for maybe twenty minutes <laughs> about yeah. my yeah. my experiences, and it seems to me that over in that period, one and a half years, yeah. that there's been many times groups of players brought into the club, yeah. and and it's taken time for them to settle, and then another group has come in, yeah. and e- and this season even more so. Yeah, uh, you know, Simo left, and then yeah. Um, Siku brought in a group of players, yeah. and then after a few months, he was gone, and, and then uh, the Rocker came in, and then he brought in. And yeah. um, I was, uh, and there's been talk about uh, arguments or yeah, arguments between the, between the, the players. players and the, yeah, yeah. Um, has that been caused by these different groups of players coming into the club? Of course, of course, that is normal because there is lot, lot, lots of different. Uh, 
players from the some, some players have been here uh, already like five or more mm. seasons, and then there is new players who are coming, and they are they are like uh, bringing bringing over by the other coach who is not there uh, over here anymore or something like that. And also there has been because the, the whole thing. But also Raipe said Raipe said earlier that uh, in in season 2016, which was after after the uh, our championship, that was like the worst season. He, he thinks that that was even worse season than this season, uh-huh. uh, in, when we were, because we, we we were during during that uh, until we bought like four or five good players, and everything got better. That's true. That. He was like end of yeah, August. Yeah, yeah. Players like Mark Vallis came yeah, in, and everything yeah. got more solid. Juhani Oyala, yes, Juhani Oyala, and, uh, and and players like that. So so they they were they were really really important players, and they changed the whole last season, and then this season. Uh, started started badly, and there was there was lots of things, and and there was like um, and Raimo Raimo also dealt, uh, that told uh, that uh, he never want to uh, sack anyone. He's the last person who want to sack anyone. So uh, every decision what they are making in, in the in the board, uh, they are agreed as uh, as a one. They they ten ten men board, and he is always the one who actually doesn't want to sack anyone. Because, because of, of course, there's also uh, it's about money also. Because it's like, like, like he said that it's also like uh, I go outside and burn like 150,000 euros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. so it's kind of like that, and you can do that also, and nobody, nobody <laughs> enjoys that. So, so it's, it's kind of like that, and 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 then when he have to make this decision that they have been sacked. Um, First of all, uh, Simon Valakari left, and then Siku came over, and that that uh, was like uh, like like I was trying to say that it was a mistake because because not not mistake because uh, because Siku was uh, like uh, who, who he was, but he knew him really good, really well when he when he was coaching Örebro, uh, and they were friends at the time, and and after that he thinks that now. Maybe his ambitions has been a little bit lacked now. So, so it was like different version of what he uh, meant to sign. Yeah, here. and different yeah. to who he remembered. Little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit like that, and he thinks that it, it was mistake. And then they tried to recover the mistake by like the, the f- first new choice by bringing over Roka, and mm. it, it is now also you can say that it, it must was mistake. It feels like they so, were both a little bit rushed, rushed decisions. Yeah, yeah. Like Rocco was coming anyway as a coach, yeah, is that right? Yeah. And then was, was put into... He was already coming over here and, and he was like uh, they were they wanted him to be the second uh, assistant coach, assistant manager, if you will. Uh, and, and he was uh, he was supposed to come over here. So it was, he was already there. You can so it was easy uh, like, okay, let's take this guy, he's already there and let's take this whole season and, and then start over on next season and start to build something until until the end of this season. So and now they are like every they have been uh, like uh, thinking a lot about continuity. They want players who want to be here more than one season. They want coach who is there more than one season and they they want the staff who is also working with the Coach, and also that is one one thing. What happened with with the, these two other coaches was there there wasn't uh, like staff with them. They were earlier coaches staff, 
like like then and then Siku has his his own guys and and then came Roga and Roga wasn't familiar with these guys yeah, so yeah. it's important that the, the coach can say, uh, choose his own staff maybe not not, not change every everyone but, but have he, some people there with yeah, him yeah but he, he and also he he interviews these old guys also who are, who has been over it, over here because he has to be sure that they are working with him so and that lacks uh, with with two other coaches what we have okay so so th- this is the thing what they want to change now and they want to the new uh, staff and new manager they want to uh, uh, bring him and his staff here uh, earlier earliest before the season is over okay uh, maybe in, in october or yeah in october i think so to 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 but, actually but take over or no, to just no, see no. what's going on see, see what's going yeah. on and and this staff what is here they are working this whole season until the end but then the new coach is already uh, known before the season is over so then he can choose his own players yeah. he can choose his own staff and everything so you don't have to do everything over that again seems, that seems like a, yeah, that seems like a good yeah. thing you, you said something that, that I was thinking about earlier um, about building the team or rebuilding the team and this continuity yeah. um, and I was thinking that there's a lot of there's a lot of players in and around the, the first team squad yeah. that uh, are either Finnish or have grown up in the Finnish league, like Billy Irons, Richard yeah, Dorman, yeah. W- whatever. Is there any thinking that that might be a way to build a solid Veikkausliiga team uh, that then has a few perhaps bigger or international players? Yeah, they in? are. They are definitely. They are like building building team for the Veikkausliiga, and they want want to bring young Finnish players also, uh, and they want. Uh, uh, even even old Finnish players and old 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 like who is moving back to Finland mm. maybe, uh, but but they don't want uh, like the guys who are like coming coming for for just for easy salary. Mm. They mm. want guys like uh, Mikko Axelo and Mehmet Hedemai, experienced players, but players with a bit big heart and who are doing everything for the club and everything for the team. I think some of the players that came in this summer, like Joel Mero and um, and Sundman as well um, yeah. they are these younger Finnish players yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think Sundman looks like a, a really good player having, yeah, having yeah, had really been educated good, yeah. at Aston Villa yeah. as well so that's what made me think and, and also you've got Dani Hataka and Obed Malalo yeah. and Mahit um, Hambo is actually he's, he's still young yeah, young yeah. And, yeah. And, and they're in and around the squad and some of those are in the, the national teams yeah, under 21s yeah. or, or yeah. the full yeah. squad yeah. so there is some some Homegrown quality. Yeah, there. that yeah. might be a good way. Yeah, and also, also we have this academy, mm-hmm. uh, and and academy is one of the main things for this club in the future because because uh, there has been like this plan that first we built uh, build a uh, training center and then after that we're going to build a stadium and then after that we're going to build academy and then also uh, uh, next year in 2008. 18, uh, they're going to be high school, football high school, okay. uh, with, with, with uh, co-working with Kuortane uh, Urheiluopisto. And it starts on, on next next year, and it's already everything going to, they're going to, I know that they're going Is to that build. Is leading in players into the academy? Yeah, there's, there's, okay. there's, like, uh, there's like 15 years old players okay. who are coming over there, and they are, they are like uh, players from all over. Finland and all the best talents, and they are playing for 
they are playing in Asiko Colors, but they are working there. They are they have the best coaches over there from from different uh, even different sports like like there's like this is the Olympic training center yeah, in Olympic, Kortene, yeah, yeah yeah so there's there's lots of knowledge, knowledge there you can you can have everything over there and there's already big interest for that interesting so, yeah I've got one more thing to suggest this came from my co-hosts of Finnish football show they both had a suggestion for who should be the new manager and um let's see your reaction rich feel free to tell them that they're an idiot rich <laughs> rich suggested mixu patalainen hey actually he might be, might be good coach because uh, his uh, reputation in finland is much more worse than he actually is because he's he's really good coach and and he if he if if he is not, then why he has been working uh, in a, in abroad many many years and, and, and Richie's uh, point was that the club the structure everything here is so good yeah and it just needs a good strong coach to come yeah, in and yeah. lead yeah he might be he might he might be one I, actually I don't know I don't have any clue no, sure, who, sure. who is that who, who is going to be the next coach oh you're a fan like us so you're yeah, speculating yeah, and enjoying yeah, it like yeah, we like yeah. we all are so yeah, Rich you're not an idiot that's a good yeah, thing to yeah, know yeah he's not he's not that was that was Julian, another friend of the show, Julian, who's eavesdropping on this. But up until now, has been quite respectfully quiet. Um, uh, Mark's suggestion was Shefki Kucci. No way. No <laughs> right. Way. Okay. No. Julian's <laughs> okay, being very okay. disrespectful. Mark. 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 Mark is idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. No, actually, actually, also, I, I know Shefki. He's he, he has really big heart. He's he's doing everything uh, for his teams and every every club where he's he is like that. But he's he's not the guy who who should should be over here because he, he's, he's not going to be here for three years. Yeah, he? yeah, <laughs> he, he, and also he's he's more better. Uh, he's more like the the guy who can come and give the pep talk for the guys, but he don't know anything about uh, this this kind of thing. What we are going to achieve, like uh, academies and yeah. and high school and those, we need somebody who who is familiar with these kinds of things and who can work with these these kind of things also. So, to summarise, it's been a tough year, but thing that there is there are plans and things will be better organised yeah. and more positive in 2018. Yeah, yeah, and also also they're going to be continuity. They the club want continuity, but uh, the thing is that not always things are going as planned, because that is also in when you are when you are in some workplace, some office or somewhere, you might you might have like like some some guy working there who who is actually he has a really good CV and he has he has everything everything is good but then then again there's something that yeah, Julian wants to add something something that Raipe said the Raimo said that, that it's been a tough year we're uh, in the cup final we've got a chance to get Europe we're fifth in the table not that bad <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're not in yeah, the second yeah. division anymore we've had yeah, five yeah, years yeah. we're in the second and, division and, and so. we are playing in our own stadium what, what the club owns the stadium and we have the training centre right next to there so so it's not so bad that if it's, you it's quite a compliment take it out, out of the context it's seen as a, a bad season when we're in this situation other clubs in, in the Vegas Liga they're you know that they they don't succeed at all, and there's no expectation. But it shows the weight of expectation that's on SJK that it's considered a bad season when we're fifth in the table and in the cup final. Okay, that sounds that sounds good, uh, Larry. 
thanks yeah. for joining us. Thank Julian, you. thanks for Interrupting. Uh, pod, yeah. pod bombing <laughs> the, yeah. the article, but I think it's good to, to have that as well. So um, thanks again. Cheers. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yep, yep, yep.